I read this so that you families who stand behind these soldiers may understand, even if only a fraction more, than what your men have volunteered for and where their minds reside. The article is titled The Infantryman's Arrogance. Infantrymen have a pride and arrogance that most Americans don't understand and don't like. Even soldiers who aren't infantrymen don't understand. The pride doesn't exist because we have a job that is physically impressive. It certainly doesn't exist because it takes a higher level of intelligence to perform our duties. It's sad and I hate to admit it, but any college student or high school graduate can physically do what we do. It's not that demanding and doesn't take a physical anomaly. Nobody will ever be able to compare us to professional athletes or fitness models. And it doesn't take a very high IQ to read off serial numbers, pack bags according to a packing list, or know that incoming bullets have the right of way. <laughs> the pride of the infantryman comes not from knowing that he's doing a job that others can't, but he's doing a, a job that others simply won't. Most infantrymen have not seen a lot of combat, and while that may not sound ideal to the civilian or non-infantry soldier, it pains the grunt. We signed up to spit in the face of danger, to walk the line between life and death, live to do it again, or some of us not. To come to terms with our own mortality and let others try to take our life instead of yours. We have raised our hands and said, take me, America. I'm willing to kill for you. I'm willing to sacrifice my limbs for you. I will come back to America scarred and disfigured for you. I will be the first to die for you. That's why the infantryman carries himself with pride and arrogance. He's aware that many have lost respect for him. To many, he's a bloodthirsty animal, but to others, you know, he's too educated and stupid to do a regular job or go to college. But only he knows the truth. And yet the infantryman doesn't complain. And this is the key here. The infantryman does not complain. He continues to do his job to volunteer his life for you, all while being paid less than four years than Tom Brady will make in one game. It's a job that Americans don't understand, don't envy, and don't respect. That is why we have pride as the infantry. I read this today to give you insight. Your men are on the cutting edge of battle. They will engage the enemy sooner rather than later. Have faith in their training, discipline, and leadership. Your men joined for a reason specific to the individual. They came from all different walks of life. They chose the same path and will not look back. They have joined the greatest brotherhood on the face of the planet, the United States Army Infantry. Support your soldiers in, the, in their future endeavors. This is the first step in a long journey to earning your place at the table. Be proud of your soldier and celebrate their success, for today they are the infantry. I'd like to close with a quote from General H. Norman Schwarzkopf. It doesn't take a hero to order men into battle. It takes a hero to be one of those men who go into battle. You men are the heroes of tomorrow. For that, thank you for volunteering to serve in a time where fewer and fewer are capable or even willing to serve. Hold your heads high, roll your shoulders back, face your challenges, and never quit. Brave and bold, male foot, bulldogs. We're going to talk about it this week on Top 5 for Fighting. Dozens and dozens of years, decades of years. Decades, decades of years. That, that's... First of all, first of all, give spoilers. Okay, we are, oh, we yeah, are yeah. going to talk about spoilers That here. would have been a huge dick it, move. Get the Charmin. Greg's going <laughs> to shit on something. <laughs> Tell For you this. what's going on. There's a bunch of monkeys looking like they're fucking a coconut. Literally anything in the goddamn fridge. Two hours later, you've got a Haitian mudslide going on, and then it's just, you're like, why did I do this? Here we go.
go. I, he's I got really, that look on his face really like he's getting ready to punch this, a baby. Yeah, this this movie was a bag of dicks for me. He used to run through the house <laughs> just hauling ass. Nothing but underwear. Hauling naked, ass too. In his underwear, hauling ass. I'm going to have me some fun. <laughs> I'm going to have me some fun. Okay, so that intro was a little longer than we normally do, but welcome to Memorial Day, everybody. Oh, was it my, not my turn? <laughs> I was like, wow, shitting on my intro, all right. Oh, no, no. I mean, I wasn't not shitting on it. It was just, typically, it's like a 15-second I'm just playing. Burn. No, you're not. You know what? We're fucking done. All right. Good show, Richard. <laughs> all right, bye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I tell you what, you guys go ahead. I'll just mute myself. I just sit, I sit over here in the I'm corner. Just, I'm just going to see myself out. <laughs> no, no, it's that way. <laughs> no, it was, I was just meaning that it, it probably surprised people. It was a little longer than normally it was, but that was basically something that we felt was justified for this weekend in remembrance of our fallen heroes and soldiers. And it was good. And you just got like a little self conscious thing going on there. Like, I'm going to shit all over it. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember doing that unless it's like a fucking Zack Snyder movie or something. No, nah, it'll happen regardless of and what well, I say. And well-earned. <laughs> oh, shit. That came to mind when I was thinking of what I wanted to play for the intro, and that speech has always stuck out. That speech is actually literally recorded from Dylan's graduation ceremony for uh, turning, well, when we put the blue cord on his shoulder for the infantry. That was basically his graduation Um I just thought that was a cool speech. I've seen a bunch of different versions on it on YouTube that are a little longer, a little obviously How? produced and like very cool with, you know, professional speakers and stuff, but that that coming straight from his graduation, I wanted to play that. Okay. Because I think it fits all soldiers in all bran- all branches. But being that it's from the infantry and his graduation, I'm biased. Except the Navy, right? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Who else do you call when the Marines need a ride, right? Uber. Oh, Uber. <laughs> Nuber. They're the, yeah. They're the Marine Corps. Uber for the Marines. I, I, I got you. No, that's just a joke. Yeah. We're, we're allowed to make fun of Navy because, you know, we're brothers. Right. It happens. Joining us this week, of course, has to be Richard. Thank you. Hi, Richard. Hi. Thanks. Um, also, if you've known from other episodes, Richard served in the Army. Yes, I did. Three, yep. 3.25 years, according to the... 214. How'd you get two point how'd you get point two five? I, I think it's a quarter. Basic so, training, right? No, I know, but did you was it really three three years and four months? Is that what you were in That's for? That's literally what it says. Yeah. That's weird. That's an odd enlistment time. Dylan's is the same way. It's three and change. Yeah. Oh. Because of uh in, I, be, I basic training, I think. I I don't know. I, I could not tell you. Mine was six. You know, I never asked, but maybe it does involve basic. Well, don't you learn at an early stage? Don't ask. Yeah, just sign and no, well, don't get volunteer in line. for anything either. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. We weren't smart enough to ask. From all the stories, <laughs> it was uh, we were just like, "Is there more fucking crayons coming?" I, I mean, when? Hello. From all the stories that we got from him, it was just get in line and shut up and wait for Absol- hours and hours and hours man. and hours. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're, uh, you know, one of the grunts. The military does sound like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Is it if it's as well old as the federal government it is? We're That's all why trouble. I stayed in. There not. is a meme that I saw. It's a room full of um, fully dressed out rucksacks, everything. There's probably eight or ten soldiers in the room, and they're all just passed out sleeping. And the thing says, uh, "Packed and ready to go at 0300. Inspection at 0600. We're not leaving till one fucking a or one fucking p.m." And Dylan said, "He goes, that's the fucking truth." <laughs> 
When I went to Japan uh, for the typical rotation that the Marine Corps supplies to its two bases over there, uh, because you know Japan's not allowed to have an army anymore because you know we reasons. Told them. Yeah, yeah, well, we told yeah. Them. and that's a, that's actually a good yeah. idea. Um, we uh, we had to ship out. We had to be on site at four four a.m. and they staged us at the hotel theater or the base theater because it was the biggest, most comfortable place to stage a squadron of Marines. And we were there for, I think we actually left out of there at like 5.30 in the afternoon. And we were all like, why the fuck? I mean, I, I mean, I get you want to make sure everybody's here, but you could have said noon. Happens. Uh, you know apparently, I mean? that it, it still does, happens. It, had, it happens and all the time. And there's no reason for it. Yeah, it just happens. Reason. and just, you, just because they fucking can. Which goes back to another famous saying that you see in a lot of shirts, especially for the parents, embrace the suck. Yep. Because embrace the suck. Because that's all you can do. Yep. Hurry up So, if you haven't noticed... Twice a year, we have, well, this would be the second year now that we've done this. We have two very big American-themed shows. First one's Memorial Day, and the other one coming up right around the corner. Yeah, it's close. Uh, Fourth of July. So this 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 week for Memorial Day, we are. it's all going to be American military-themed, and our lists are going to be pretty fun. And, again, pay respects to soldiers, military, and everything badassery. Yeah. Yes, and just to be clear, Memorial Day is not the same as Veterans Day. Agreed. A lot of people yeah. get that confused. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, I mean, Memorial. Veterans Day is for us. Memorial Day Correct. is for them. Correct. Right. Yes. So. Yeah. And by them, we mean the ones that we can't talk to anymore. Right. Correct. And that's why uh, we want to do this, and we'll do it every year going forward, on Memorial Day and Fourth of July, and whatever day we can bleed a little more American-themed out of, because it's fun to do, and it, is. it feels right when we do it. And we're a little late because, you know, Richard decided he wouldn't come over until today. But, you know, whatever. We'll let it slide. You know, whatever. <laughs> this is my fault. Schedules, schedules, <laughs> you know, schedules are harder right now than people think. They're like, oh, you're just fucking at home. You're not doing nothing. No, that's really, that's not the case at all right no, now. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, you guys are both former military, so I guess, I mean, it fits the theme. Yeah, yeah. Four o'clock. All right. Let's roll at 445. Well, to be to be fair, to, <laughs> to be, be fair, fair, we were going to do this last Friday, but I remembered at the last moment that I had something. We got, yeah, we're good for Friday. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, hey, I can't do that. So No it's worries. Not, not a big deal. Better late than never. So, Greg, why don't you go and describe what our first list is going to be? Well, our first list is going to be to talk about the EW pay-per-view the other night. Oh, yeah. Oh. Let, mm. Let's yeah. We, we let, let, let's hit pause on the Memorial Day yeah. celebration because because it's still it's still a weekly episode, so we got to hit a handful of things here. Um, we all got together at your place mm-hmm. and watched uh, the the AEW Double or Nothing that was yeah. supposed to happen a while ago. It was supposed to happen in Vegas, and I guess they they moved the venue. And um, talk about the venue. Well, the venue was a, a Civic Center in Jacksonville, I guess somewhere in Jacksonville. The Daly's place, yeah. uh, which is the same half arena, um, half amphitheater it's half outdoors basically there, mm-hmm. there's an awning over the top um that they have been since this whole thing happened with no fans that they've been doing it there at that facility that they normally travel every week you know they go to different cities and this pay-per-view was supposed to be in vegas like it was mm-hmm. last year on their their first big pay-per-view double or nothing the gambling theme they do in vegas it was amazing didn't work out that way this year so they had to do it at daly's place i was excited to have you guys over because I know you guys don't watch it on a regular basis, and right. I know that I talk about it every week and how much fun it was. <laughs> and let me just tell you, I felt like a big fat winner when it was over, and you guys were leaving like children, giggling and laughing. Amen. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, we actually had uh, James Thompson was over there with yep. us. Thanks for coming show. over, James. Uh, we had him there, and, and I had a good time watching it. I will say this. 
It was thoroughly enjoyable, and I'm not going to make fun of it at all, but the last match, as awesome as it was, <laughs> should have been labeled all all elite entertainment it, and not all elite wrestling because it was like watching a 20-minute sitcom it's and funny. we laughed our asses off. That's because true. Th- there's a show on Sirius I listen to pretty much almost daily. With uh, It's called Busted Open, and it's basically a wrestling show. Dave LaGreca is the host, and Bully Ray is on it as well. Bubba Dudley from the Dudley Boys is also one of the main hosts on there. So they break it down from both sides, the fan side and the wrestling, the actual performer side. And they both said the same thing that we're saying. What a bucket of fun that was. I mean, it was, it was, if you, if you had any doubts <laughs> that wrestling wasn't scripted, <laughs> this blew it right out of the water. Right. But the shit that they did and the jokes that they pulled and the, I mean, from the whole Hardy. The, the production that went into this thing, like oh, you could great. tell, aside oh, yeah. from all the normal Absolute, matches, yeah. right. this one was produced and you could tell, but it's exactly what it needed to be. I, I was going to say that driving home uh, after the, the show with James, we were talking about it, and I said, you know what? If you'd have just had straight wrestling matches, that wouldn't have been as good, and you couldn't have done what you did right there with fans being able to attend. Yep. They, they put something together that was kind of perfect for the time that they were doing it because they do only want to have one of these, they have four a year. Right. So they have won a quarter. Yep. So probably, hopefully, by the next time there's it comes around, we'll be able to go back to the norm. Should be. But you couldn't have done this at Jacksonville Stadium if there'd have been fans there. Correct. There's no way. Uh, right. The cool thing is there were fans there. A very, very small number. Like up in the box seats? How they got to get in, I, I don't know. I was hmm. I was thinking about making a call to see, hey, how do we get in on you know a, a Wednesday night or something like that? But it's, it's starting. Like it, I, I think by the next one you will see – fans being able to start to show up but they've adapted it to make it entertaining despite not having the massive crowd crazy reactions that AEW gets at yeah. every one of their shows I, I even like I thought I, I thought all the wrestling matches were really good I, yeah I, I, the only one that I really didn't not care perfect, for but the only one I didn't care for was the Dustin um Dusty Dustin, Rhodes Dust, no the Dustin Rhodes and uh, oh Dustin well that it was it, it was more of a show thing in and wrestling a, like, terms that was just a squash it, yeah I, I agreed and I, I get why they did it because they probably needed a break to set up and everything but the other it wasn't it wasn't really much of a wrestling match that was kind of humor generated With, too but the other matches were all really fun had you been watching the past few weeks the guy that he beat up rather quickly had been talking massive shit about him right uh-huh. so it it fit what they were leading it up to be plus you know with you can only fit so many people in in four hours. Some things have to be a little shorter, but that's not what Jenna Jameson says. It was um, <laughs> just fun. It was just a fun show. It was fun to watch you guys watch it, not knowing overall who the characters are. I mean, everyone knows Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes. Everyone's at least heard the names, but not following it on a weekly basis like I do. You guys had a blast, and it that says a lot. Yeah. That was that was one of the fun parts for me because I get to I. I Get to uh, ask you guys mm-hmm. about hey, can you can you get me up to speed on this guy? You know what what's his what's his stick? You know what does he have a wrestling move or whatever? Yep. that was pretty cool, man. I it mean, was it's cool. like learning all over again. Because Richie would ask that question, and you and James would talk to him, and I would just get up and go out to the kitchen and grab another beer because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know fuck all priorities. <laughs> no, but it was cool. Glad you guys came over. Glad you guys had fun. And um, like I said, I'm looking forward to the next one. And shit, it's on tomorrow night, so I'm already excited for it. And Mike Tyson will be there tomorrow night. So. 
Uh, he's got to. Oh yeah, Mike Tyson made an appearance. He's got to be involved in the future in some way more than what there's. I think they're setting some shit up. Well, he did the same thing in WWF. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, Mr. T was there. He was a boxer. Celebrities are always going to be entwined with wrestling in some fashion or another because entwined. It just brings new eyes onto it. Like, oh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's going to be on what? I'm going to check that out. That's what they do it for. Oh, for real, of course. Plus, Mike Mike's broke. He needs whatever money he can get. Hey, yep. God, I hope he fights again. God, I hope he fights. Well, he is fighting. We just don't know who he's fighting. We just don't know who or where. It's over, but it's over in Dubai somewhere. Everyone's going to watch. Really? Is that where it's going to be? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'll have to look it up and I can post it. But uh, I, him and Holyfield are both fighting. We don't know if they're fighting each other. Each other, right. I would have. I'll be surprised if it's you. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to fight other not, people. Yeah. And it's a, it's a exhibition charity type event. Yeah. We'll see. It would make more sense if they fought other people. I agree. No bullshit. Right now, I'd put Tyson against the heavyweight champ just to see what happens. In, who box, is, in boxing? Who is the heavyweight champ right I, now? I have no idea. Yeah, there Tyson. you go. It's uh, Tyson Fury, isn't it? That big, tall okay. oh, yeah, Tyson he won, guy. He won the match that was in Vegas like two days after I left out from out there. That's yeah. right. Tyson, you're right. Yeah, Tyson something or other. Yeah. But yeah I, Mike, that, Ty- Mike, Mike Tyson chicken. Mike Tyson is one punch away from a belt at any given time. That's true. Yeah. I don't care if he's 60 years old. That's, That's true. Very true. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so that was fun. Anything else you want to talk about? No, dude. Let's get to the fun stuff. Okay, so uh, we have, are actually doing two lists this week. Uh, the second one we will reveal to you in just a moment. The first one, uh, Mike wanted to do American War Heroes. Right. I was okay with that. Fitting because, Memorial Day, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, Richard gave us the finger. Said he wasn't doing that. So he just literally. Like, he's just gonna truly sat down at the table. Said I didn't do that. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm Fuck kidding. you guys. He, he, I think there was a little bit of a miscommunication. Well, you know us, why? Because I know. Uh, well, mostly that there's just, just so many stories there are. there of just insane heroic moments. There are. And I tried to go awesome. off of the beaten path with stuff that you, chances I'm pretty much 95% that the people listening, whoever, all six of them, don't know who <laughs> these names are. Right, you know, um, some people some people will know mine. Uh, I did not go into hardcore like what they actually did because the details of what they did was actually um, kind of sketchy at some points, with the exception of a couple things. But my five guys have a tremendous body of work with combat. Right. So, and and anybody that's a jarhead out there will know at least three of these. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't go with the big name Schwarzkopf. You know. Patton. I, I didn't go with stuff that obviously everyone's already because who wants to hear the same well, stuff? To be fair with you, to be, to fair, be fair again, I don't consider Schwarzkopf a war hero. I consider him a war genius. I was just saying names yeah, that people right, would be right. familiar with. I think most of the people that are war heroes are kind of under the radar. They're kind of, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. They threw themselves on a grenade or some shit like that. So. There's one name on my list that was literally the epitome of under the radar. <laughs> You'll see. Was it, okay. the, was it the chick that Radar banged on MASH? No, that's in the uh, honorable mentions. <laughs> honorable mentions. Yes. All right. You going first? Uh, you can go first. No, you can go first. I will go first. <laughs> okay. Why don't, why don't you go first, Mike? I'll, the go, first... I'll go first because yours are probably better than mine. I'll go first. Damn. More Damn. Damn. You know what, Richard? You go first. What? Oh, you're not prepared. Oh, so I guess well, I'll Well, no, I, guess I, I didn't do first. that. I didn't well, do you that. Know what, you know what, Rich? Mike, you go first. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at somebody. Go. <laughs> All right. My number five, and I got I to gotta kind of pick up my mic here because I, I got to look at the computer screen here. My number five was Kenneth Ambrose Walsh. And he rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps. 
He was um, he was a part of World War II in the Pacific Theater and the Korean War, but he won the Medal of Honor, the Distinguished Flying Cross, seven times, and he won the Air Medal fifteen times. So obviously, this guy was a Marine pilot in the Pacific Theater, and um, totally tore shit up. Um, I think that he was considered the ace, but he also flew a lot of supply and refueling missions. He flew um, in, 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 in Korea, he flew uh, C-54 transports. He was flying uh, Corsair fighters, uh, F-4U Corsairs. This guy was flying everything in World War II to you know, shut down the rising sun, as Getty Lee would say. If he had wings, he was flying it. Oh, fucking a! Okay. Um, again, uh, I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking right here at his Wikipedia page. It's very bright, broad. The broad strokes they give mm-hmm. the units he was with and everything. Um, he was actually a mass, a technical master sergeant at Pearl Harbor, and ended up being a lieutenant colonel fighter uh, pilot. So, wow, you guys. That was kind of the thing in, in World War II. Remember, we we kind of elevated a lot of people because we were. I mean, caught by surprise, even though we shouldn't have been. But still, story for another day. But Kenneth Ambrose Walsh. Nice job. Thanks. I thought you were going to say Kenneth Noisewater. Backwater? From An- from An- uh, Anchorman. Whitewater? Kenneth Noisewater. All right. Mine, I'm going to take you back to World War One. And mine is not an individual. It's an actual infantry group. Oh. Um, you may be familiar with this, Richard. I'm not sure. It's possible, being the, the esteemed history teacher that you are. Mm. But on August 6th, 1915, there is a fortress, and I'm going to butcher this name because I've tried to pronounce it all day. I've known about this story, and to me, it's one of the coolest stories in that I, I mean that I've read about um, that I think would make a fantastic movie in of some sort, and you'll see why. But on August 16th, 1915. The Oswiec, O-S-O-W-I-E-C. That's pronounced Auschwitz. Uh, no, that, that's, a, that's a different story. <laughs> okay. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Um, basically, it is a fortress that lays uh, 30 miles south of the East Prussian border, basically between Russia and Poland. All right. All right this was a significant uh, fortress because on either side of it, there was no roads to get into Russia, it was all marsh and bog. There was just this was like a pinch point, if you will, for I mean I can't think of a better term for it. But in that area, that uh, region, getting in and out of Russia went through this fortress. There was a massive tunnel underneath it, um, and the Russians were holding that fortress for quite a while. So the Germans, desperate to get into and past that border, had were just they were so focused on this fortress and they led a full blown this is cra- there's a they led a full blown frontal attack on the fortress with 14 battalions of infantry, siege guns and artillery. And then they besides just over why, why they decided not to just overtake this with just brute force with all everyone in there, they made the decision to launch chlorine gas into the fortress. Mm. It was not designed for it. It didn't have ventilation in it. Um, you know, World War One, when chlorine gas came around, I mean, nobody was ready for it. Standard gas masks were useless against it. Um, it, it, it stuff would melt you from the inside out. 
So it devastated the Russian forces inside of the fortress. It was down to, you know, there was 900 Russians initially of infantry in that fortress defending it successfully for, for quite a while. The chlorine gas ruined that. They were in there, lungs were deteriorating, just breaking down, skin melting, faces bleeding, and just the most horrible way of dying you could imagine with that. So basically what happened was there was a 100 or so Russians that were capable of even picking up a weapon. So the Germans started advancing toward the fortress. So a 100 Russians who were basically on death's door decided... We're not going to sit back. Let's just gather up, round up, get in formation. Let's go. They proceeded to charge 14 battalions of Germans in what the Germans saw coming out of the fortress they thought were zombies. I remember that. Because their eyes were bleeding, their skin was melting, they're wrapped in bloody rags, weapons in hand. They literally, this was nicknamed Attack of the Dead. Yes. If you Google it, it's an amazing story. Yes. The Germans retreated. They had never seen him like that. They were scared shitless. They retreated so hard, they were falling into their own booby traps. They retreated so hard, the Russians reported later that they thought they were French. Ba-dum-pum. Yes, and that would happen also years later. Um, literally falling into their own <laughs> traps, blowing themselves up on mines they planted, tangling themselves in their own barbed wire, which German barbed wire was is just nasty compared to our barbed wire because there was more tines on it. Just a lot more of the, the wrapped barbs that would rip, rip you to shreds. So yeah, it's called Attack of the Dead and I think that is just that story is crazy on every level. I, I Man, as soon as you said zombies I said, I remember reading that story. It's literally if you Google Attack of the Dead World War One, yeah, yeah. you can read about it. There are rock songs that were made about it over, from uh, metal bands over there. It's it's just a crazy story. Whitney, Whitney Houston's biggest song, I Want to Dance with Somebody, it was written about that, I think. Oh, it was... <sighs> you sure it wasn't Surf's Up or something like that You're by welcome. the Beach Boys? You're welcome. I'm here to entertain. <laughs> Great singer. Terrible swimmer. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a... Uh, that, that's just an... It, it's an incredible story of just, hey, you know you're going to die. Fuck it, let's go. Absolutely. The fortress did fall... I think a year or so later, it was the Germans did regroup. They came back and, and eventually took it. And the Russians were so smart, they demolished it so the Russians couldn't actually take it over. Mm. And then they got out. The Russians demolished left. it so the Germans couldn't take it over. Correct. Okay. Yep. Basically, I have to yeah. go back and look, but I don't think that the Allies in World War One used chemical weapons. World War One? Mm-hmm. Oh, us? The Allies. Um, who okay. did? I, I, I don't know. I know you the, might Germans, be right I know the Germans did, but I don't think... I think the Allies... Because you know chemical weapons are a no-no at all at any stage. They are now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you, you know what else is the biggest weapon that people complained about in World War One? The shotgun. Oh yeah, the the they called them the trench sweepers. The yeah the the, the trench. They they asked um they they went there was a one was it a was it a British made or was it an American made uh, shotgun that literally would clean the trench out um and they and the yeah. the Germans complained that we had an unfair advantage. Because of, of you that can't shotgun. do that. Yeah. Well, how about that, how about when, that gas? When the get? Germans complain of an unfair yeah. advantage, check, check you know it. it's an unfair advantage. And my answer would have been, no, no, we can. Let me show you how. Yeah. Watch. Stand there, and I'll show you. Yeah. German fucks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> do you want me to go in between your contributions? Hey, if you got something to throw in, throw it in. 
no, save well, save your top five list because we're going to do that okay. top five list too. Okay, we just yeah. want you to communicate with us back and forth here. Fair enough. And okay. tell, tell us what you think. I mean, I'm I'm totally cool with that. Fine. And here's the funny thing: a lot of the World War One knowledge that I got, they're interested in even reading about, came from Battlefield One playing with Nick. Oh, because really? the trench. Because God forbid the, you read a fucking book. No, that game. We talked about it. That game made me go to the library and check out books that's on true. World I War remember, One. I remember when you you I and came Nick to first, school. Yeah, you did with that's World right. War One books. I that's do remember crazy that. because a lot of the stuff I learned about demons I learned because of Diablo Three. So I mean, it, you know, kind of weighs in, weighs out. Or you could just go hang out at my mom's house. Either way. <laughs> well done. Cheaper. Uh, You're up. It my is number, cheaper. My number four is. Oh shit! Here we go. James Lewis Day. This gentleman and this gentleman enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in 1943. He enlisted in the in the Marine Corps, and he finished as a major general, which is a two star general. What do you mean he finished? He finished at the end of the war? No, no, his career. He oh. finished as a major general. Okay, he participated in uh, World War II. Uh, uh, one of his biggest battles was the Battle of Sugarloaf Hill, which I think i'm pretty sure was okinawa he was a part of the korean war he was a part of the vietnam war uh in world World war ii he completed in he complete not completed he participated in combat he was not a pilot he was an infantry uh with the war in marshall islands guam and okinawa he was awarded the medal of honor for his uh bravery at the battle of sugarloaf hill which was um uh, Okinawa. He received the Medal of Honor, the Navy, the Navy Distinguished Service Medal, the Silver Star Medal three times, the Defense Superior Service Medal, a Legion of Merit Bronze Star, two Purple Hearts, a Navy and Marine Commendation Medal twice, and the Combat Action Ribbon. This guy served um, all the way up until 1978. 1943 to 1978. Wow. So this guy pretty much dedicated his life uh, to that. Uh, He was not combat after the Korean War, but he was a, he did a lot of training. Uh, He was regimental commanders, all that, all that crazy happy ass stuff. Um, I can't imagine having gone through like just the Battle of Okinawa, because that was the, that was one of the bloodiest wars that the Marines fought. Uh, Guadalcanal was where we get the blood stripe on our blue pants. Once you become an NCO, because that was the bloodiest war, but uh, Okinawa, I mean, but he was also Guam and the Marshall Islands and that part that that island hub. I mean, think about that. You just go, you go to a, a war and you just see people blowing up and shit ass guts everywhere, and they're like, "Okay, Corporal, get on the boat. We're going to the next one." And you're like, "Whoa, what? Whoa, whoa!" Just there's a reason they were the greatest generation. Crazy, absolutely. I don't have any specific stories, but there you go. Oh, let's talk about stories. Okay. Because Richard, you, you'll appreciate you'll appreciate this. All right. Because before Wolverine and his berserker attack, yeah, there was one Mister David Bruce Bleak, who was an army medic, who stood six foot six inches tall, two hundred and fifty pounds, a behemoth of a man, and he was a medic. Yeah, I've, I have heard about him. Yes, and he fought in the Korean War. I say fought in air quotes because what he did does not classify as fighting. He was the type of guy that could choke out a bear one handed. It's that that's I just thought that was a great description of the side. Like when you see pictures of him, his real life pictures, he's a big dude, but he's got the face of a math teacher. Mm. And I mean that in a 
nice way because he doesn't look like a guy that's about to pull off what I'm about to read to you right now. Um, he was described as being a genuinely a big softy when it came to the people that he was treating, like most doctors treat patients that they're looking for. They just a lot of care for the people that he's treating, especially because they're soldiers. He wants them to get healthy, wants them to get, you know, back to normal, but <laughs> not when it came to the Chinese. Um, he was not too pleased when the Chinese forces opened fire on him and those around him. In fact, he was downright pissed off. And what we're about to find out, you don't like David Bleak when he's angry. <laughs> this is the story is bonkers. During a patrol, he was on Hill 499. Him and his men came under fire, uh, and several men from the lead part of the patrol were hit, injured, you know, gunshots, obviously, stuff like that. This was Korea, right? Correct. Okay. N uh, North Korea. And then I love this quote. The quote I got on here is from uh, trueamericangrit.com, which helped these stories the way, the way they word them are brilliant bleak was like hell no you're not doing this garbage to my men and he leaped into action basically he started treating the wounded as they were getting wounded during this imagine a firefight and you're a medic and you're crawling around trying to treat people as they're getting hurt which i guess like any medic would do just watch rewatch saving private ryan the other day and right it amazes me being a doctor or a or a priest and trying to do your job in the middle of an, just an, a massive firefight so then it became apparent David was not happy. There was a trench they were near. He jumped into the trench head first, and he tackled two Chinese soldiers and started by subsequently snapping the first one's neck like a bottle cap. And then the other soldier that he tackled, he grabbed by the throat and crushed his windpipe by hand until he could not breathe anymore and killed him. Um, that's great. And they spell his, his bare hands, B-E-A-R. That's great. The behemoth went on killing Chinese soldier like it was just a cool thing to do. During the entire massacre, David Bleak did not even once pick up a firearm and fire one shot. For his actions on that day, David was awarded the Medal of Honor. Wow. That is crazy. My question there is, I'm not going to pick up a gun because I don't believe in guns, but you're killing people. You know what I mean? At that point, that just, wasn't make, the, I mean, just it, make it easier on yourself. It's. I mean, you would be, but I guess... I get it. I'm not making fun of him. No, it no, just no. surprises I, me. That it's like you would think like you're surrounded somewhere on the ground is going to be a rifle, right? Or a hammer I mean, you, or, or, a, or, a, or something. Saber or something. Nope. Raw! <laughs> when you've got the two hands that he had, apparently that was all. I mean, snapped a human being's neck out of just anger and fear, I'm sure, a little bit of what. I mean, I don't think this guy even had fear. But David Bleak, U.S. Army <laughs> medic in North Korea, um... Saving lives and taking lives, because that's what it was. He was supposed wow. to do with his bare hands. Saving lives and taking, and lives. was awarded the Medal of Honor afterwards, which rightfully so. Mm. Did he die during the during the conflict? No, died afterwards. Um, was awarded the Medal of Honor afterwards, and then you know, obviously lived out a little bit longer. I I didn't get the date that he actually passed away, but um, none of the people I have on my list are currently with us today. Well, most uh, not, yeah, none of mine are either, but because they fought in like World War One or World War Two, so from, I got you from way back. Okay, my number three is Daniel Joseph Daly. Mm. He was um, Good what guy. a surprise! He was in the Marine Corps. Uh, his final rank was a sergeant major. He fought uh, in the Boxer Rebellion, which was <laughs> really yeah, eighteen hundreds. 
he fought in the Banana Wars at the Battle of Veracruz and the Battle of Fort Dipiti. I think I said that right. And he fought in World War I at the Battle of Bella Wood, Battle of St. Mihail, and the Battle of Blancmont Ridge. Now, I'm sure that the, being in World War I, there was a lot more than just those battles. But if you're not familiar um, with the Battle of Bella Wood or the Marines, the Marines have several different names. One is the Leathernecks. Um, they're called because of, uh, they called them the Flying Leathernecks. There was a thing the pilots wore around their neck right. that was to help them to help not get, to protect against sword wounds because of World War II. Um, there's several, several nicknames we have, but one of, the one, one of the most cherished is Devil Dog. And that originates from the Battle of Bella Wood in World War II, where the Marines were significantly outnumbered by Germans. And I believe the number was four or five to one. But we, the, we, the Marines, holed up in the woods and fought these guys off and basically won this fight until, um, until so reinforcements arrived. And the Germans called us, I can't remember how you say it in Germany, German, but it translated to devil dogs. So this is not a nickname the Marines gave themselves. This is a nickname that their enemy gave them. Well, at the Battle of Bella Wood, this gentleman is credited for one of the most popular lines a Marine has ever said, and it was, come on, you sons of bitches, do you want to live forever? So he rallied the men multiple times, increasing the morale to go out, fight the Germans, and come back. Now, I want to say this. Um, World War I ended in 1919, if I'm correct. Uh, 18, I believe. 1918. So it was yeah. 1914 to 1918. Mm -hmm. He died at age 63 in 1937. So this guy was in his late 40s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stomping necks and cashing checks like a fucking boss. Like it was fun. Exactly. Okay. His awards include the Medal of Honor twice, the Navy Cross, the Distinguished Service Cross, the Croix de Guerre, and the Medaille Militaire. I think two of those were um, from other countries, but he won the Medal of Honor twice. Um, that's a badass some bitch. Mm. Yes. Um, and let's go from one and badass son of a bitch. And Sergeant Major is the highest enlisted rank you can get in the Marine Corps, short of Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. There is only one of them. Gotcha. It's a lot of ups and downs. Man. Yeah. So let's go from one to another. You got it. Because we have one Colonel Robert Howard, who is a legitimate BAMF, badass motherfucker, yep. who won eight Purple Hearts, was wounded 14 <laughs> times within... Not to disrespect the Purple Heart, but I'm not sure you win a Purple Heart. Well, <laughs> but to okay. earn a Purple Heart is was awarded. Dope. There you go. Fourteen Purple Hearts. I wasn't making or, fun of you. I was just. Yeah. It was just funny. Eight, eight Purple Hearts. Sorry. Eight Purple Hearts. Forgive, God damn. forgive my English. No, you're good. No, it wasn't making fun of you. It's just know, funny the way it sounds. Um, yeah, it's he, not funny. Huh? It's huh? uh, the descriptions on this guy. Um, <laughs> Let's see. I love this. The man decided to piss off the Grim, Grim Reaper because for almost dying several times, only to laugh in death's face because death was stupid anyway. Um, it kept trying to mess with his hard-ass Green Beret, but he was not having any part of it. Uh, the man was a certifiable skull crusher, having already earned two distinguished service crosses, both of which were downgraded from the Medal of Honor. Now, th 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 this is crazy. Both of which were downgraded from the Medal of Honor because technically... Robert and his teammates weren't supposed to be where the world thought he was. 
which was Cambodia. He had been awarded the Medal of Honor on both occasions. Folks would have known that the United States was in places they weren't. While the United States was like, whatever, bro, we're killing communists. But the UN might have been like, whoa, bro, you can't do that. And it would have been a giant pain in the ass. Like I said, dude, these stories, I was cracking up reading these things. But at the same time, these guys are just amazing at what they did. Mm. Um, the one, this is great. The one time that Robert and his group were actually in Vietnam, they were caught in a heavy ambush and pinned his group of operators down. One of those black pajama wearing jerks threw a grenade at Robert and exploded <laughs> right in his face, destroying his rifle as he held onto it, knocked him unconscious, came to realize that the, the rifle that he was holding was basically shattered and, and broke. It was unusable. Um, the blast knocked him unconscious for a short time. Uh, he was able to hear his fellow soldiers yelling out because they were obviously injured and, and needed help. And because grenades can't even stop Robert Howard, he started pulling his comrades to safety. Some of those were wounded, were in less serious condition than Robert, but he just kept going for three more hours until every last one of those guys was pulled off the battlefield. So imagine that. A grenade goes off, knocks you on your ass, knocks you unconscious. You come to, your rifle's shattered, people are still firing on you, and for three hours, he did nothing but crawl and drag people out of the battlefield. Back to a vehicle to get him out of there. Uh, for his actions on that day, Robert was awarded the Medal of Honor for real this time, and it was not downgraded. Now, there's a couple stories about this guy that I have to share as well, because this guy is legitimately sounds like one of the toughest people to ever walk this earth. Uh, one of the... The people that had some of the guys that had served with him said it was actually to call him a legend was not an exaggeration. Um, there was a time in the Chow Line at an American base, and a Vietnamese terrorist on a motorbike tossed a hand grenade at them. So imagine we're in line getting food. Vietnamese guy, like in um, uh, Good Morning Vietnam, okay, like that, tort right, right. that, that tortoise scenario. We're in line to get food. Guy goes by in one of those little half ass scooters. Chucks a grenade in there. Um, so that happens. Thankfully, there wasn't mass casualties or anything like that. Everyone took for cover or duck for cover. Howard then proceeds to snatch an M16 from a terrified security guard, drops to one knee, and expertly shoots the driver and chased the passenger a half a mile until he killed him too. He was not having it. That's just crazy. Um, one night, his recon team laid beside an enemy highway in Laos as a convoy rolled past. So they're laying there, like Lord of the Rings, they're laying there by the side of the road while these guys are rolling by, and they don't even know that they're there. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Howard then gets up and runs alongside the enemy truck in pitch black, spins around an armed claymore over his head like a lasso, throws it into the truck, detonates it and run back, runs back, gets his guys and leaves. So he chased down a, a fully loaded vehicle with soldiers in it, chucks a claymore in there, detonates it, leaves, blows it up and, and, and hightails it out of there. I can just picture this crazy guy whipping this claymore around and launching it into a vehicle. That's just, that's nuts. Um, the, there's so many stories about this guy. Like there's an incident that came a year later Again, accompanying a larger SOG force. What's SOG stand for? I'm sure you know. I, I, I don't either. P forgive me. Uh, he performed magnificently, single-handedly knocking out a PT-76 tank. A day later, he wiped out an anti-aircraft gun crew and afterward rescued the crew of a downed Huey. Repeatedly wounded, he was bleeding from his arms, legs, back, and face. 
but he refused to be evacuated, again submitted for the Medal of Honor. His recommendations were downgraded this time to the Distinguished Service Cross. What does this guy got to do? <laughs> what does this guy got to do to earn a Medal of I Honor? I mean, Jesus Christ, this guy's a walking Terminator in doing everything possible uh. in taking out mass groups of people in like, nah, we're not going to quite give you the, the, the full medal. You mm. know, the, the, the disappointing thing there is, is it's well documented that even if this person has gone above and beyond, they might not get what they're recommended for their CO or whatever. Sure. I mean, it happened to me when I was in, in the Marine Corps. Right. We went on a, on a mission. I did everything. Uh, but there was a sergeant there that wasn't even in my shop. He got the Navy Achievement Medal. I got a letter of appreciation because he was basically blowing the staff sergeant he knew. So, yeah, he was a, a 30-year-old sergeant and was also the most physically fit man in his unit. Nice. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> He's chasing down trucks and sniping people off scooters and then Which chasing them this down. Again? Uh, this was Vietnam. We said Cambodia, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in secret Green Beret unit that was going places that they weren't we weren't supposed we're to know about. We're not supposed to be in And there's Cambodia. a lot of shit that goes on that we're not supposed to know about, but the, that's a perfectly good example. Like you can't award something technically because you're, you're not, not supposed, supposed to be, to be there, there anyway. Right, right. So if you award him, hey, this is for his actions and such, as it, wait, you weren't supposed to be there. Right, right. Yeah. Crazy. Robert Howard, badass motherfucker. Okay, my number two is Colonel Dutch. And um, for his efforts in the South American jungles against an alien predator, he. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it took a second. I figured you'd catch that name. You know what? Than that. I would have Wasn't he a colonel in the movie? Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. That's why oh, I called okay. him. I, I, there's no last name listed for his character. It's just Dutch. I was thinking that's a hell of a coincidence. Right. Okay. Uh, my number two is uh, Major General Smedley Darlington Butler. Did you say Smedley? Smedley. Smedley. You better Smedley be. Said. You better be tough with that name. Smedley Butler. Um, uh, this guy's a Marine Corps legend. Mm. Okay. Um, he lied about his age. So that he could get a commission, a direct commission as a second lieutenant to serve in the Spanish War of 1898. Okay, this is what this guy did. He fought in the Spanish-American War, the Philippine-American War at the Battle of Novaleta. He fought in the Boxer Rebellion, the Battle of Tienstin, and the Battle of San Tan Pating. He fought in the Banana Wars at the Battle of Messiah, the Siege of Grenada. Not the siege we know of, but the other siege. Uh, the Battle of Cayatope Hill, the infiltration of Mexico City, the Battle of Fort Dip Dipity, and the Battle of Fort Riviere. He fought in the Mexican Revolution at the Battle of Veracruz, and he was in World War I. He fought in the defensive sector. He won the Medal of Honor twice. He wore the Marine Corps. He won the Marine Corps Brevet Medal, the National Order of Honor and Merit uh, Grand Cross from Haiti, um, the Military Medal from Haiti, Commander of the Order of the Black Star from France, which you know that really doesn't say much and there are there are a lot more here but i'm not going to go into him because this guy was just um uh, uh okay he was uh, just a little bit of trivia about what he did here he is only one he is one of only 19 men to receive the medal of honor twice and he is one of three to be awarded both the marine corps brevet medal and the medal of honor and he is the only marine to be awarded the brevet medal and two medals of honor for separate actions this guy finished as a two-star general um any Marine who was a Marine knows who he is, but this guy, I didn't even bother to look into it because he was just he was just all over the place and was just, I mean, you know, hey, hey, I, I am, I'm, I'm 18. All right, hop in. 
I mean, it was 1898. It was probably pretty easy to forge your documents back then, but still. I mean, from all the stuff that I've read and been interested in over the years, it sounds like that was kind of a common practice in World War II. It was. I mean, we talked about it was, Bridget's, yeah. Bridget's dad. Yep. Um, I don't know if you've caught up or if you even listen to our podcast anymore, Richard, but we had one we talked about Bridget's dad. Um, Hold on. <laughs> blind in one eye, faked or not faked, stole medical records from someone else, faked that he wasn't blind, able to enlist, and then goes on to a ridiculous career. Wow. Yeah. But, it, you know, World War II, a generation. Right. A, yeah. a, anything to fight for America, which was just, it's crazy. Like Steve Rogers. I mean, the epitome of super, right? Captain. He was a captain, right? Uh, well, yeah. Captain and, Rogers? And, yeah, in the 21st century, he's still just a captain. <laughs> he's a captain in World War II and a captain in the 21st century. Won't let it go. Um, okay. Now, before I read this story, I just want to show you guys the picture of this guy's mustache. Nice. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll describe it the best I can. I mean, 30s, like grandfather-looking dude with the, the mustache that rolls out past your, like, your cheekbones. Um, like a Monopoly guy. Like the Monopoly Just guy. Just looks like a bigger, stronger, tougher Monopoly guy. Um, Lewis Millet. When given the choice to kill Nazis or commies, Lewis Millet simply responded with, why not both? He was like the original <laughs> Iron Man. He joined the Army in 1940. Uh <laughs> Jesus Christ, I have to reread this. Lewis joined the army in 1940 to smack around that Hitler douche. <laughs> but the U.S. hadn't quite decided if it was worth getting into the fight yet. So Lewis does what any guy of his stature would do. He left and went to Canada. And he enlisted there because we weren't in the fight yet. Because he wanted to smash Nazi skulls, is what it has written down here. When the United States finally decided that it was time, it was okay to time to kill the Axis powers and a la Japan attacking Pearl Harbor... Lewis was like, sweet, I'm coming back now because I want to kill Nazis. So Lewis was stationed in the 1st Armored Division in North Africa where he got his first confirmed kill of an airplane. Lewis was manning a machine gun on the top of his Jeep when an, entire, when an enemy fighter came in low for a strafing run. <coughs> Not having any of that bullshit, Lewis Millet threw his 50 caliber machine gun into action, turned to the pilot into mush, and his plane burning into a pile of debris on the ground. This dude. The, the mustache alone says it all. Uh, World War II was over Millet's mustache of death. Hadn't been uh, satisfied and wanted more. Lucky for that killer mustache, Korea kicked off, and Lewis, Lewis Millet again found himself in the thick of the action. And during the fight for Hill 180, that Millet's mustache got it, <laughs> finally got its murder on, the platoon was pinned down with heavy machine gun small arms fire, and Millet was not happy about that shit. So he fixed his bayonet and rallied his men, then charged up the hill, killing everyone he could. And it was a veritable massacre at the mustachioed marauder left nothing but death in his wake. When the day was over, the Chinese troops had retreated, and Millet was only minorly wounded. Um, yeah, this guy, it's, here's the impressive part of this. Despite, when, when the, all is said and done, despite having desertion on his record, Millet was able to reach the rank of colonel, and it probably had something to do with the Medal of Honor he was awarded for his actions in Korea. That or his mustache demanded to be promoted. Either way, it's cool with us. Desertion on his uh, record. Now how, how did that 
Desertion, why? Because he joined and then went to Canada? Because he left the United States to go to Canada in order to enlist. Apparently, they considered that deserting. But the funny part is, when it was over, the government said, okay, we're going to charge you 50 bucks, and here's your Medal of Honor. So, whatever. Because of what he would, what he did. and I mean, when it was all said and done, the guy just wanted to fight for the country. That's right. Yeah. And again, we go back to that generation. That's it's a common theme. Fair enough. Yeah. My number one, this was not even a question. I did not even I, I, I wrote this down without even thinking about it. Yep. John Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> My number you, one You know what they should have done? What's that? Just give the guy a sandwich. Yeah, all he wanted That's was some fucking food. He just a sandwich. Well, social distancing. Way to go, Brian Denny. Yeah. Lewis Burwell Lewis Burwell Chesty. Puller. Chesty in quotes. That like was him his already. name. This is Chesty Puller. Yeah, yeah. This I, man I, I know of him, yeah. This man was what Marines are told they need to be. Uh he he finished as a three star lieutenant general after enlisting. He enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. Um uh, okay, it's nineteen oh shit. I had it here in just a second. Nineteen twenty two. He served in the Banana Wars, the Occupation of Haiti, Occupation of Nicaragua, Battle of Aguacarta, the Battle of El Sauce, World War II, action along the Matanikau, Battle for Henderson Field, Battle of Cape Gloucester, the Battle of Pelu, the Korean War at the Battle of Inchon, the Second Battle of Seoul, and the Battle of the Chosen Reservoir, the Frozen Chosen, which my favorite Marine Corps story ever that I've heard happened at the Battle of, of the Chosen Reservoir. I just have to say this real quick. After that battle, the Marines were withdrawing. They had won, of course, because the Marines have never lost a battle. Was withdrawing, and there was a reporter there asking. He had, they asked a Marine corporal what was the hardest thing about fighting in, at this at this battle because it was like they called it the Frozen Chosen because it was like ten degrees for the whole fight. And she says, "What was the hardest part of this battle?" And he said, "Trying to get four inches of dick through eight inches of clothing to take a piss." Mm. That was what the corporal said to him. So good for you, but fantastic, right? This guy won the Navy Cross five times. He won the Distinguished Service Cross. He won the Silver Star. He won the Legion of Merit with a V device. And what that means is that that's a second award. But the V device can only be applied to award once. So, you know, they had to give it to him twice. So he won four Legion of Merits with a V. Four Legion of Merits. He won um, a Bronze Star Medal with a V device, which means he won two Bronze Stars. He won three Air Medals, and he got a Purple Heart. Now, there was, in 1922... And it's not what we are all know from the Sandinistas back in the 80s with General North and President Reagan. This was the battle of the, they call, I think they called this Banana Wars. There were 31 Marines that attacked and defeated over 400 Sandinistas. Five separate missions it took them, but he led the attacks. And that's where he won his first silver, silver or, uh, Navy Cross. 31 Marines took out 400 Sandinistas. It's about the same <clears throat> ratio that Iwo Jima had, wasn't it? Like 4,000 Marines, wasn't it? Yeah, I- Iwo Jima. Over, over 12,000 Something like Japanese? That. Yeah, there I was mean, a lot. They, they said it couldn't be done, and it wasn't. It was done in, what, four days? Yeah, and, and half-assed. Granted, it was very bloody. Yeah, it and, was... and half-assed because of the way the government did it, too. But right. still, we, we probably could have saved half the Marines that died at Iwo Jima. But, yeah, uh, Chesty Puller, um, I have, uh, there's a... All her DVDs. Fucking hey, right, man, she's... 
I I have a Marie a, a catalog that I get each month called um, um, I think it's called Grunt or something like that. And their tagline is if Chess if we don't have it, Chesty wouldn't want it. So fair enough. Um, again, like if you go into any of these guys, I'm sure you can find a lot more data than I did. I just it's really hard for me. I, I like I said, you went with specific guys and specific battles. I went with guys who had like this monstrous body of work. Um, we owe everything we have to them. Oh, Smedley Butler, who I forgot to mention. He had an EGA, which in the Marine Corps stands for Eagle Globe and Anchor. It's the, it's the Marine symbol. He had an EGA tattoo that started at the base of his neck and went all the way down to his waist. His entire chest was an Eagle Globe and Anchor. Of course it that was. That motherfucker loved the Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, yep. He loved the Marine Corps. You know who's going to love this episode is Nate Ward. Absolutely. Nate, hope you're doing well. We raw, brother. Step Brothers is on its way. Yep. Just for you. Coming in hot. <sighs> Speaking of coming in hot, let's talk about Herschel Williams. Okay. Because when it came to kicking ass and taking names, Herschel Williams was shit hot. Was that the guy on Walking Dead? Literally. No, that came in later. Okay. Um, during, I, I had to leave, I had to put at least one jarhead on here for you. Oh, thank you. And this dude is a good one. Uh, during the assault on Iwo Jima, Herschel was busy, uh, he was busy barbecuing enemy soldiers like it was going out of style. <laughs> He wasn't part of the flag raising because he had shit else to do by busy creating fiery balls of death. Now, I have, I'm giving you background on this guy, and then I have a video that I want to play for you because, again, a lot of these, all these names that I got because I wanted crazy stories that were just almost inhuman, but they really happened. And you get a lot of these on these series from gruntstyle.com that they do called Violent But True Bedtime Stories okay. with First Sergeant, something, I can't remember his name, but. When you hear the video and you hear him read these, I can't read these like he can, at least not sober. But when he talks about this guy, you'll understand why he's having trouble getting through it, reading what this guy did. Well, if, if the link means that much, what you can do is you can email me the link. I'll put it in the show notes so okay. that people can click Good on enough. it and watch it. Um, Herschel Williams was an NCO on the island of Iwo Jima during World War II, obviously. His captain was asking for ideas to take out some pillboxes, and Herschel Woody Williams thought, hmm, a flamethrower will work. Anything's possible with a flamethrower. Woody strapped the tanks to his back, grabbed four Marines, and set, on his, uh, set out on his objective to subdue the pillboxes. As rounds were pinging off the tanks on his back, Williams was able to get close enough to the first pillbox to light it up. Game, set, match. The second pillbox would prove a little more difficult, so he had to move around to the side. This is amazing. And went to the roof. Now, you remember the pillboxes had a chimney on it, basically, yeah. right? Yeah, well... Woody wasn't using it as a chimney. Um, he, he made it to he, the roof of the he pillbox. He used that reverse flow valve. <laughs> he, yeah. He turned it into a, the world's largest smoker. Uh, Herschel Williams saw a ventilation shaft jutting out. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. As Herschel <laughs> stuck the nozzle of his flamethrower into the pipe, scorching all 17 soldiers inside the bunker. Savage is as savage does. Herschel still hadn't been wounded, and he continued on his third enemy pillbox. These soldiers were like, fuck this, we're going to kill them. So they charged out of the only opening in the pillbox and were instantly roasted by Herschel one after another. It was roasty toasty time. He burned out seven fortified pillboxes in under four hours. Mm. Uh, for these actions, Herschel Williams was awarded the Medal of Honor. To this day, he says that the Medal of Honor is dedicated to the two Marines who died in support of his actions. Straight up savage. Now... The visual of reading this right. and the visual of the way 
um, you'll you'll hear. I'm going to play it for you now because the way that he describes this, it, it's only two minutes long. But if you've never watched violent but true bedtime stories with First Sergeant on YouTube, in just go and watch them. They're like two three minutes a piece. But it's all of this. It's individual stories about individual soldiers, all branches. Um, he's partial to the Marines because he was in the Marines. Um, there's a lot of Army stories. There's a lot, There's all around. There's even a coast, couple Coast Guard in there. Um, it, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, enjoy. This guy is so freaking funny. What are you looking at? <laughs> Just wanna, wanna hear a story? Is this one? It's pretty good. I love that they're violent, but true. Let me tell you about Herschel Woody Williams. The famous flag raising was happening on a hilltop in Iwo Jima in the background, but Woody Williams wasn't paying any attention to it. There were other things on his mind. His captain was calling all the NCOs around him to strategize their next push from inside a big shell crater, just down the hill. The captain looked at Williams and asked him if he thought he would be able to take out some pillboxes on the horizon with a flamethrower. It was worth a shot. So Woody took four Marines with him for fire support, strapped the tanks on his back, and started to crawl to the first pillbox. With rounds pinging off his tanks, he just kept moving forward and positioned himself close enough to light up the first one. On to the next one he went. The incoming fire from that one was so intense, he had to make his way around the side and up to the top of it. There, he found a ventilation pipe. Just, oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> there, oh man, that's fucking savage. <laughs> There, he found a ventilation pipe jutting out of the roof that was big enough for his flamethrower. Sorry, I'm sorry. That was just big enough for his flamethrower nozzle. He turned up the heat and cooked 17 enemy soldiers by turning their pillbox fortress into an inescapable oven. He was unstoppable and still hadn't been hit, so he just kept going. One of the next ones must have run out of ammo, we thought, because they were very scarce with their shots. They saw he was in position to take... <laughs> <laughs> Can't even get through the story. <laughs> <laughs> they saw he was in position to... <laughs> they saw he was in position to oven bake them as well. So, they charged at him out of their only opening. He easily barbecued each one of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <come Jesus>. on. <laughs> he easily barbecued each of the five of them as they ran out single file. On he went, dealing death to the doors of seven fortified pillboxes in under four hours, clearing the path for his unit to move through to their next objective. Of his four Marines covering him at the time, two of them were killed. Herschel maintains to this day that the Medal of Honor he wears today is dedicated to and because of those Marines who bravely risked their lives and died on that mission, keeping him alive. 
This is as good for you as it was for me. And they're all like they're individual short stories that are just crazy. And I've watched those, and there's numerous stories that there's it's similar. Like you'll you'll laugh through it, but at the same time, you're like, this really happened. So, Woody Williams, dude was on fire. All right, smoking, so good. Break time. Break time. Then we'll come back with uh, we're coming in hot. We'll let we'll let Richard participate in the yeah, next one. Richard's gonna play in the next round. Wow. Okay, so um, the wonderful people at Not Water Barbecue, that's Not Water with a K, uh, have issued us and sent us some barbecue sauce. And we've been waiting on the barbecue sauce for a while. And I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, something. This is not your, your dad's barbecue sauce. This stuff is absolutely, incredibly amazing. It's slap your mama good. It, it is. It's so it good is. that when your mom serves it, you're going to slap her and go, where did you get this? Yes. It's that good. It starts off sweet. And ends with a with a bite, but not a bite that's so hot you can't enjoy it. It's 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 legitimately perfect. It's it, and I'm not saying this because they are our sponsor. I'm saying this because this is legitimately one of the three best barbecue sauces that I have ever had in my life. Here's here's what I would like to see happen: order it, try it. You use the discount code that they have on the website. Try it and give them your feedback and share it with us. Let us know that when you try it, and if you need. Any justification on this? Go talk to Mr. Phil Eddy on Facebook. Yeah, that they they know <laughs> they know Phil by name at Not Water Barbecue. Phil is now like Norm at Not Water Barbecue. Phil with a K. Uh, just put in another pretty sizable order that he texted yep. me. Um, all in all seriousness, this is the best barbecue sauce I have ever tasted, and this is where I will go to get my barbecue sauce from now on. Barbecue sauce, pepper sauce, the rub. They have some neat hats. They have some neat shirts. Um, and they've got more stuff coming for all the time, from what I understand. When we make our wings in the in the air fryer, which I love, by the way, yep. we put the rub on the wings, and then we mix that with the medium sauce. The medium, it, I, I can't even call it hot sauce because it, it's not hot, hot. It's got so it's got flavor like no other hot sauce you've ever tried. I agree. The medium is my absolute favorite. I can eat the hot and enjoy it. So there's that. I can eat the hot a little bit. I can't do hot stuff, spicy stuff, but the hot is, is edible. But meat, the medium's my favorite, but I have to mix a little bit of mild in it. It tastes incredible, and that's what it is. It's like a hot sauce with flavor that you can enjoy eating and not have to worry about burning your face off. Go to notwaterbarbecue.com. That's K-N-O-T-W-A-T-E-R-B-B-Q.com. Enter in the code FIGHTING10, F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-10. That's a one and a zero for 10% off your purchase. Thanks for your support. Also, they have shirts, hats. Take a look at their hats. Their hats, I can tell you, Greg and I both have them. Incredible quality. Very nice leather patch on the front. Uh, four different colors. I think it's brown, dark blue, the baby blue, and what I think color there's like a gray. Like a gray, a gray yes, tan, a, yeah. a, a gray. Excellent quality. I love the T-shirts. The T-shirts, the best thing about the T-shirt so far doesn't shrink. No, it, it does not shrink. Which is good because I'm fat. It's comfortable from all the barbecue from sauce. From all the barbecue sauce. Order today. All right, break time's over. I think that uh, was a nice break break for me. I hope it's a good break for you. I hope you guys guys are mouths are watering from the delicious not water barbecue <laughs> that I think all of us partook in on this wonderfully somber yet celebratory weekend. I've been shopping for flamethrowers on Amazon. I can't find any yet. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Amazon dot. 
blacknet.com. Darknet. Okay. Darknet. Gotcha. Yeah, Darknet. Got to write that down. Um, so, okay, we're not going to talk about anything else here except our, our second top five list. And this top five list, um, I think this was Richard's idea, was yes. things that have changed the battlefield. Right. And um, we all did this. And uh, Richard, if you want, you're the guest. Why don't you go first? Uh, we're starting at five, right? Yep. Okay. Five is, that's the first thing I thought of when we were talking about this list. Uh-huh. And barbed wire. You oh, guys actually mentioned it already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, a Civil War invention, you know, around 1860, 1865, something like that. And, uh, you know, the one thing about it is you can make a ton of it. Very it cheaply. Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't very expensive, but it literally changed the battlefield in the sense that you, this is how you marked territory. And you could direct, you could direct the enemy coming in because they had to take certain paths Correct. to avoid it. Yeah. It was incredibly effective. And the other thing about it was it really didn't come into its own until World War I right. with trench, trench warfare. warfare. Yep. Yep. Uh, now they use a concertina wire instead of barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And they taught us how to... Is it that razor wire? Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yep. They call it concertina wire. Razor wire is a nickname <clears throat> for it. Yep. Uh, they showed us how you have to lay down on it and let the guys roll through. And we actually did oh. that. We actually laid down on concertina wire in, in boot camp. Um, and you had to be careful getting up because they, they, it's called razor wire for a reason. <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, I went. You went first. I went first on the last one. You go. What's your number five? Um, mine, for an obvious reason, I had to throw in here because it was a major, major part of World War One. In those dirty fucking Germans, the chlorine gas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, chemical chemical weapons as a whole. Chemical, yeah, chemical warfare, basically as we know it, it started with that chlorine gas that the German used in World War One. Um, brutal. I mean, gas masks. It wouldn't work with gas masks for the most part. The it. I mean, it basically it melted your insides. It drowned you. Yeah. It would drown you. Drown, you, you drown you, your own blood. You, basically, yeah, your your lungs would just basically disintegrate and fall apart in your body, and you know, damage to your skin, eyes, everything. It was just a horrible, horrible way to die. Did you guys in boot camp have to go through chemical training? Yes, chemical warf- warfare training. The pictures that they showed us of what nerve agents and blood agents and stuff will do to you. I, you know, I'm going to tell you what. I'd rather have to sleep with a Ohio State cheerleader. I mean, I mean, there's, it's, it's like, you know, which candidate's better than the other one? Let's just pick the worst of two evils. That's what those are. Chemical weapons, man, they're, they're rough. Okay, my number five is not a thing, but a, a mentality. And it was the way that the American Revolution forces changed the fighting tactics against the British armies that completely changed the way war is fought now. Remember, the, the British would show up and they'd all line up in a line like they wanted to play Red Rover, Red Rover. And we actually hid behind, hid behind trees. And it completely changed the way everybody fought wars. There was no more of this, well, let's just all go stand in a field and shoot at each other. Um, the hit-and-run tactics and the guerrilla warfare that, the, that the, the colonists employed against the British Army and a lot of the espionage because, you know, the double agents, not double agents, but spies that we had in the towns that acted like they were British. It, a lot of that was, it, it's a lot more subterfuge was brought into war from the Civil War than had been previously employed. And it wasn't an actual thing, but it did really change the way that wars and battles were fought, in my opinion. Fair enough. Um, yeah, good job. 
Thanks. I like it. Appreciate that. <clears throat> you next? Wow, back to me already? Holy cow, man. All right, yeah. so I'll talk about it more. So there was this battle <laughs> in 17... <laughs> well, number four I had was the machine gun. And yeah. honest, very simple why it was such an insanely effective you know, weapon is because the, the rate of the fire, the fire rate coming out of that freaking thing was just mowed down oh, the absolutely. enemy. Absolutely. I'm that's ironic. And I'm, World War One again. I'm yeah. just gonna go ahead and say my number four with him. Mine was bullet casings because of the way it changed from muskets to actual being able to lead up to rifles that which led up to the machine guns. Uh, you're right. Because remember, I mean <laughs> oh yeah, shot. Hold on. And let me get this let me get this right. thing off my hip. I gotta listen powder. You know what I mean? Right. The 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 bullet casings. Now I didn't realize when they were actually developed, the revolver was common in civil war did you know that yeah typically because they couldn't afford them usually the officers, officers have, had yeah. them. that's correct but i the thing that triggered me was watching all the movies of the civil war where you know again we went right back to standing in line and shooting each other um and then stories of the old west like in tombstone and areas like that there was only like 15 years in between there but when you look at like tombstone and all the westerns everybody had winchester rifles and stuff like that um, that was it was just just after the Civil War that the rifle became common knowledge because they were able to now make a rifle round like the revolver round instead of it just being a straight flintlock or a musket. I can't imagine what the Civil War would have been like if we'd have had if it had been fifteen years later. Mm. How, how much? How, I mean, holy shit, right? But yes, to to piggyback off of you, you're right. The the machine gun and and automatic weapons and things like that because you don't have to load. You know, flintlock every time. Huge, huge, big deal. Putty. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Um, sticking with the uh, back then, I had to put the flamethrower on there. <laughs> I was so enthralled with the flamethrower story. I'm like, when that came around, they even they, they had it in World War One. But to be able to take a, f- it wasn't just flame. It was actually a liquid that would squirt out that far. Right. Um, I don't know what the exact range, but it, from what the videos and stuff, it looks like a good 20 yards to, to 25 kind of yards. Like, it's kind of like napalm is what right. they used in those. Because, because it, it's super high portable, pressure. And it yeah, gets portable on you. Napalm. Like you spray you someone, you it gets on you. Right. There ain't no stop, drop, and roll. No, it's you're, <laughs> you're toast. Yeah. You, literally. Yeah. Um, that's a huge invention. I mean, it's you know unfortunate for the person on the other side of it. But especially in the story with the pillboxes, I mean, what a, it sounds horrible to say, but what a efficient way to clear out an enemy pillbox, fill it with fire. Right. They're done. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, trenches, clearing out trenches. We, I mean, we saw it, I believe there was a scene in Saving Private Ryan when they were clearing out the, toward the beginning, um, they did the pillbox as well, but to clear out a trench, right. just fill it with flames and it's. Like we said, it's not coming off you, and it's it's just a brutal but effective weapon. Dangerous for the person using it, yeah. Because um, you're vulnerable. I, ironically, I think more flamethrower users died in World War One than actual people up against the flamethrower. The success rate was low because it, of the vulnerability that the tanks have, and you didn't have the technology to manufacture the parts, and right. you know you got a guy that's been carrying this thing out, and you know it's damaged. You got to drop it for for for. Six months in 1914. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I had to put that on there because it was just devastating. But I mean, ingenious if you think about it. Nice. So yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So we're back to you again, Richard, because you and I pretty much were the same on number four. Uh, number three was the Telegraph. Boom. I mean, literally, you can now get a message to the other side of the battlefield, you know, and it could be, re- you know, relatively instantaneous. And not have to be a pigeon. Correct. Yeah. And I think Nick was the one that talked about, remember, I think he was the one that brought it up. I want to give credit to him where Lincoln would just wake up in the middle of the night in the White House and go downstairs because, you know, they had a war room in the White House mm-hmm. and would just sit and talk to the telegraph operator saying, is there any news from the front? Mm-hmm. Because he was, he was obsessed with hearing about good news from right. the front. And the only way to do that was by telegraph. Yeah. One of my honorable mentions was long range comms. Ah, yeah. damn. Yep. Well, it, but it's, it's the same thing. Yes, it you know is. what I mean? The, be able to communicate with, you know, we just watched 1917, or we didn't just watch it. We went and saw it in the theater. And the whole movie was based upon the fact that, hey, kid, I need you to take this letter. Yeah, that's you right. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. That was right. their forms of communication. Yeah, and if you don't succeed, there's going to be 1,200 people that yeah, die exactly. because you didn't get the Including message. Including your brother. Yeah. So, no, so whether it's, no pressure. Whether it's the telegraph or whether it's long range comms or UHF or satellite or whatever. The, the, the ability to communicate across long distances and instantaneously update, you know, what that was a big deal. Yeah, I, I, that's so nice. Tell, I never, you know what? I never would have went back as far as a telegraph, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's so basic and off the grid, right? but vital. Yeah, <laughs> it was the first long range comm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nice job. Well done. Thank you. It's like you thought about it. I did think about it. Richard thinks about everything. Yes. Everything. I do think about it. Smartest Smart. guy in the room. You're number three? My number three. Wait everyone. a minute. You did an honorable mention, but did you do a number three? Yeah. Did you do number no, three? No, I go after him. I only went oh. early last time because okay. we had the same thing, basically, okay. at the same number, which is just shows how brilliant we both are. That's true. Fair enough. I'm the dipshit of the group. <laughs> I never said that. I I knew that was hey, coming. Hey, I know my role. I'll, I knew I'll stay that, in my lane. I knew that was coming. Uh, mine, lane, bro. I went with one that... I, I mean, I'm sure you both agree, it's massively popular for a long period of time, and that was the M1 Garand rifle. Mm, yeah. Um, for a while, it was the most favored weapon by soldiers and Marines. Uh, General Patton called it the greatest battle implement ever devised. Uh, it was hmm. obviously mostly used in World War II, semi-automatic, fired a 30 caliber cartridge. Um, was replaced by the M14 in the late 50s, but that rifle is, if you're watching a World War II movie, it's pretty much what they're shooting if they're shooting a rifle. Um, I think the Thompsons were also used the, the the small machine gun. I do remember reading about that. Yeah, um, the Thompsons. Yep, that was I think in a few scenes. I hate to always go back to movies, but it's the only reference we have. Private so wasn't around. Pri- yeah. Tom, Tom Hanks used a Thompson. Yes, he did. Um, in, in, in the opening battle scene, but yeah, the M1 is. Uh, I actually got to shoot one in college. We went out to Arizona in the desert with a friend of mine, um, roommate. His family lived out there, and his dad has a massive gun collection and he had an m1 and we were blowing parts off of boulders in the desert with, with this thing it was the thing, crazy the thing about the m1 that made it such a good weapon was it was extremely versatile because you could do several things with it but it was it, it was its reliability that made it the workhorse it was one of those guns that could be drugged through the mud and still fire which when we were in boot camp we were taught that was the one weakness of the m16 we were with reason that we knew how to take an M16 apart in the dark is because when an M16 gets dirty, it doesn't work as well. And the 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 two staples are the M16 and the AK47. Right. I was just going to say it basically has all the traits that the AK is known for. Right. You could bury it in the dirt, come back a year later, pick it up, it right. fires the first shot. Do you know why that is that that way? The AK47 is made of cast parts. 
and the M16 is made of machined parts. It's rust. No, it's like an engine. A machine, an engine when you machine it, there's very very small tolerances, so a grain of sand matters more okay. than in a cast, a cast iron weapon, a cast part weapon. However, the M16 is significantly more accurate than the AK-47 because it is a machined weapon and not a cast weapon. As we learned earlier, where you can pick off a Vietnamese terrorist on a motor scooter, yes, right. expertly, right. Which is which? Which you know, I don't know which one I would want to be on. To to be completely right. honest with you, I don't know which one I would want because to be fair, if excuse me, sorry guys, <laughs> if if you're shooting, you're if you're if you're twenty percent less accurate, that's still eighty percent more accurate than if your weapon doesn't shoot. Right, well, exactly. <laughs> but that was what that was the thing that made the M1 so um, awesome. I think also I think the thing that made the M1 better was I think it would use the same round as a different weapon. That we, I have to double check that. I can't remember because it was the same size round, so it was easier for us to maintain supply lines for that M1. But yep, that was a great gun, super accurate. Yep, for the for the time it was made, super accurate. Nice, that's a good one. Thanks. My number three was a little bit bigger, just a little bit. I went with the aircraft carrier. Ah, it worked for the Avengers, right? <laughs> Every time. Well, I mean, once they got the sec, the third engine running, they were yeah. in good Man, shape. That, that's 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 a hell of an addition. Yeah, the I, just because what you could do with your planes, the places that you could strike with not just long range fighters. I mean, an aircraft carrier speaks for itself. What it'll do, squadrons of planes and thousands of sailors and battle groups, and you can defend. You can basically defend against anything you want at any point. It's a small country. It, it, yeah. it I you know what. I've never gotten to be on an aircraft carrier. Me either. Yeah. I can't imagine how fucking big one of those things is. With the elevators that they have, they just push the planes over it. I mean, I think I think that they hold like 80 aircraft. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's an mean, enormous God, amount. Plus, plus all the fuel, all the weapons, all the men, all the food, all Supplies, the medicals. You, the, everything. I mean, God, just... It's crazy. They say it's a city. It, they say it's a huge city, but yeah, aircraft carrier to me... Um, of course, that's why they're able to stay out at sea for eight months, nine right. months, ten months at a time. There was a guy who got taken prisoner of war in Vietnam, and I can't remember what his name was. Uh, it's Char- Charlie Plum. I can't remember if that's right, but he wrote a couple of books. And there was one point in in when he was being pris- in question, they asked him how do how how do you get in all your airplanes here? You know, blah blah. And he told him he said, "There's a, we have aircraft carriers." And he says they told him, you know, they didn't they didn't believe him. They said this bullshit. There's no way a boat a, a, a plane could land on an aircraft carrier. And he told him, and he told him, and he told him. They wouldn't believe him. They kept beating him and torturing him until one day he said, "Okay, you're right. I've been lying to you. You take two of them and line them up end to end, and then it's long enough." And then they believed him. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> Is that true? It was in his book. Uh, my father read his book. I mean, it seems like who they was would... he captured by? Vietnam. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I believe it. Mm. You seen those wicker hats? <laughs> I'm sure they believe it. <laughs> One size fits all. Black pajama bastards. I'll have to double check that, but I, I do remember. I want to say his name was Charlie Plum, but I'll, I'll have to go double check that. I mean, hell, it the aircraft carrier helped Doolittle deliver the first blow to Japan. Remember? That's the, that's the only reason that I, I I struggle with whether that story is true because World War II was 30 years before Vietnam. Somebody would have seen an aircraft carrier at that point, right? Because right. we had we had aircraft carriers in our battle groups for right. for World War Two, so well, I mean, 
Vietnam's not the most financially strongest place at the time. They probably didn't get out much. True. We know they didn't have cable. True, but but you know what? They had a lot of they had a lot of Russian backing, so they had to have some Russian. Yeah, you would think. I mean, the guy that flew the the uh, helicopter against John Rambo was Russian. Look at the Vietnamese in Tropic Thunder. Right. I, I mean, they don't get out much. You both are raising some excellent points. See, that's what we do, Richard. Keep sustained. Sh- keeping shit real. <laughs> Um, Richard's number two. Yeah, go number two. All right, numero dos. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question, and then you guys can guess it. Okay. 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 How do we find out about the Soviet missiles in Cuba? Spies. X-Men. What is it? Magneto? The Ma- X-Men? Magneto. No, not, no. no. In- intelligence. Lee Harvey Oswald. How specifically? Spies. A little bit more specific. How do we find out exactly about the Soviet missiles in Cuba? I literally thought it was... Spies. I, I, I don't, I don't, Inside, I don't like, I counterintelligence? I, I don't know. Double agents? Aerial photography. Oh, oh okay. Spy planes. Mm-hmm. Mm. To get a camera into a plane and then have it fly over the battlefield, insane, insane, insane invention. Which led to the modern-day drone. Because, that, yeah, that's exactly right. Because now you're able to literally see the formation, you know, uh, you know, any ordinance on the battlefield, everything, you were able to map it out and say, this is where the enemy is, this is where we can attack. And they could also tell if they were mobilizing and they uh, were moving. All the time. Yeah. yeah. that's Now with spy satellites, I mean, forget yeah. it, you can do anything now. Yeah. 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 I asked uh, James, because he stayed over this weekend, what his number one would be, and his number one was intelligence. Mm. Just straight up could, knowing where to go. Not showing up two days late, uh, I I would have to you know. <laughs> That's true. You don't you, want to show up yeah, two days late. Um, yeah, but that was you're yeah. you're right. Uh, wow, spy planes, nice. Okay, good one. Yeah, Real oh yeah. All right, two. Um, Mikey, my last two are my two personal favorites. One I possibly could have one day. The second one probably not. So I'm going to go with number another two. kid. No, no, <laughs> that that gas tank is unleaded only, sir. <laughs> Unleaded only. Yeah, the wow. uh, baby batter factory has been shut down. Oh, all right. Um, on March 29th, 1911, we were introduced to the Browning M1911. Mm. Uh, the pistol's been around for well, obviously over 100 years, using World War One, World War Two. The Browning. My grandfather had it for his sidearm in World War Two. Um, that pistol has been. It was adopted by the Navy and the Marines. It was first used in Mexico in 1916 in combat, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's why I had to write it down. But uh, just some the the history behind the 1911 is just why someday I want to have one, uh, like one that a World War II version of it. Um, the history behind it is is just crazy to think about a certain gun that's been around for over a hundred years that was used in two world wars and also carried by a family member. I, I just there's just something about it that I've just always wanted one, and someday I'll have one. Good enough. Yeah. I mean, time, I mean, that thing's been around for a long, it's, it's long the classic time. It's classic classics, man. Uh, the Colt yeah. version, Springfield. Yeah. I mean, there's just. Well, when you have a workhorse. A lot of versions of it. Yeah. It right. If it ain't broke, don't, don't fix right. it. I, no, if it ain't that, broke, that, it that ain't weapon is a perfect example of I it. I mean, shit, Tom Hanks blew up a <laughs> tank with it. Twice, I think. At the very end? Remember, he's just oh, on his. Yeah. He was basically bleeding out. He just right, ended up yeah. being a plane. That's but right. He, it, the, Mustang. The, the shot was awesome. He took a shot, his last shot out of the pistol, and the tank just blew up. 
this would have been my number one if I had not come across my if I had not been thinking the way I was with my number one. But my number two is flight. Mm-hmm. Oh, the airplane. The invention of flight. The yeah. airplane. Um, yeah. You know, you look at World War One. That's the, World and, War One again. And how, and how bloody it was. And they had a handful of planes, but not really enough to make a difference on the ground because they couldn't fly high enough. They were still susceptible to ground fire. They couldn't carry a lot of ordnance because they were so inefficient fuel-wise and everything. But when World War II rolled around, if you ruled the air, you ruled the fi- the battle, period. The advancement of weapons and machinery in general World War One was crazy. From World War One to World War Two, absolutely. Um, you know what? And my number three piggybacked off of my number two. You know, number three would not have happened without number two. You know, you wouldn't have an aircraft carrier if you have airplanes. The different things that we can do with planes, the different things that you can, I mean, spy satellites or, you know, aerial photography, reconnaissance, uh, supplies. You know, you can get supply lines behind enemy lines. Now mm-hmm. you don't have to carry them on wagons with horses. It was just, it was, because if you look at, if, if you are a, a kind of a war buff like we are, you look at the way World War One was fight, fought and you look at the way World War Two was fought, it was it was almost like you were watching Star Trek and Star Wars. It's completely different. It's well, not even close. The common thing that you see a lot of references made to it in general that World War One started on horses, ended in tanks. Yep. I mean, it did. That's a pretty broad stroke. And, and horses were used still significantly throughout that war. They right. were still using them for a lot of things at the end because, especially in the desert. You yeah, you didn't have the you didn't have the the resources that you needed to make that tank. Tanks were, if a tank showed up in World War One, kind of you probably won that battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, that's true, yes, man. sir. What's your number one? Uh, my number one is specifically geared towards one particular war because it was so insanely effective. And if it wasn't for this, you know, machine introduced into this war, uh, it would have been very different from, from what is now. And that is the Huey helicopter. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because yep. what it literally did was it, was it allowed the helicopter to land and move out the wounded. And it also brought men to the battlefield almost, you know, almost at a moment's notice. And it also brought, you know, the medical field to the battlefield. So even though we lost close to, what, 60,000 men in Vietnam, mm-hmm. like 58,000? Yeah. You can imagine what that would have been like had it not been for the Huey. Yeah, and in Korea, if I remember correctly, in Korea, the helicopter was only for supplies. Correct. Supplies. That and, is and correct. And moving, moving the wounded. Uh, which you see on MASH all the time. But uh, Korea or Vietnam was the first time that we actually used helicopters that were weapon-capable Correct. for that. Right. So, yes, we had actually used And there's used that famous scene in Apocalypse Now where yep. those are Hueys. And, yeah. Such a great scene. Yeah, it is. Uh, you, that, that's a helicopter was... I, I fucking hate helicopters, dude. The only reason they I fly... Would n- I would never get on the one. The only reason they fly is because they're so ugly, the earth repels them. That's Unless it. I was ordered in the army, I would never have gotten on one of those. I was ordered in the Marine Corps. See? That's that's the only way and I would have gotten on one. it was not fun. <laughs> God bless a, them, man. I flew but. in a CH-46. We did an operation that was about 10 miles from the base. It was a, a one-week battle, war games. And they took us in on CH-46s and dropped us off. And brought us back on cattle cars, but uh, it was no thank you. I am I am good. And being an aircraft mechanic like I was, have my AMP license, I know that there's only one thing between you and the ground, and that's one nut. And I'm not talking like a good nut, like on a Friday night after a six-pack. They call it the Jesus nut. That's what they call it. The mechanics call it the Jesus nut because... It's a big it, nut. No, because it it's, was the only, the nut. it's the only thing that keeps you from meeting Jesus. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. So... 
Helicopters, helicopters are fascinating in how yeah, they, they fly. Are. They it's are. fascinating, but I, you know what, you know what else is fascinating? The Tiger King, and I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> that is fascinating. <laughs> I'm never gonna financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number one? Um, before I go to number one, do you want to hear about a number two with breaking news? Sure. Uh oh. Uh oh pause button for some breaking news here the top four teams in each conference ranked by points by percentage boston tampa bay washington and philadelphia in the east and st louis colorado vegas and dallas in the west tampa bay will be a two seed in the 2014 tournament the remaining 16 teams will be seeded by conference setting up a best of five series in the east pittsburgh versus montreal carolina versus the rangers new york versus uh, florida toronto versus columbus in the west it would be edmonton versus chicago fuck you chicago okay. Nashville versus Arizona, Vancouver versus Minnesota, and Calgary versus the number nine seed Winnipeg. Details to follow, but we are getting an NHL but playoff. That's, that we knew that last Thursday. No, the no, NHL. It's, it's official. The NHL has. Remember, you the, you actually made that point. The that, tur- the PA said yes, okay. this is good. The yeah. the tournament is a, it's a twenty four seed. Tampa Bay will be a two seed yeah, or so twenty four team playoff format. So all I know is the Bolts. Have uh, see, I can't even say this anymore. But the Bolts have a pretty good. They have a good road. They have a good road because they're going to play the winner out of the Islanders or the Panthers. Okay, and they both can play either one of those teams very well. So, however, we cool. will have a playoff. Last year, <laughs> we all hey look, so, look yeah. Well, forward. Tampa better be careful. Whatever, because in this format, Columbus gets to go to the playoffs as well. So hey, it's true. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. You know, you know who else gets to go to this playoff? The fucking Blackhawks, who the were Black 30, 30 and... 32 and 30. Thir- well, they're 32, 30, and 6. They'll get bounced right. in the first round. I never count. I never count that. I do, because that means that they lost 36 games and won 32. That's right. Well, that's true. You're right. They'll get bounced in the first round. It's all right. You okay. Hope, you hope. And if they don't, we'll have to get... Uh, we'll look for a video of what kind of a blowjob Batman got from uh, the Blackhawks owner. Yeah, I'm sure it was a Blackhawk. <laughs> now, what you said earlier about how you hope to own one and the second one you you'll probably never get to own. Oh, I will I, never get to I'm own gonna this go one. Out, I'm going to go out on the a limb and one? say the yeah. number one is a, is some type of tank. My absolute favorite. I actually got to sit in the cockpit of one. It's got to be a tank. And it was in it was you talk about it like cockpit means it's an airplane. Indescribable. I got to sit in the cockpit of an A10 Warthog. Yeah. Tank killer, oh. Bert. How it's oh. it's got many nicknames: the A10 Thunderbolt, Warthog, Tank Killer, or Bert. Um, was officially born in October of 1975. This thing it was the first specifically designed close-up ground support aircraft. Excellent agility at low speeds, low altitude. Um, this thing will wreck your day and an entire group of. You never forget that sound, Bert. That, that, yeah. Um, I'll pull it up and see if I can find a, a quick sound of it. But the Gatling gun on the front, 3,900 rounds a minute. <laughs> um, it's Jesus. capable of carrying Maverick and Sidewinder whistles, what, what caliber, missiles. What caliber bullet round does um, that thing shoot? I did not write it down, but they are you know? Do you know? large. I think it's a 20 millimeter. It's it's massive. Um, it's I want to. I'll. I'll I, I, I thought I had it written down. I thought it was 30 millimeter. It might be. Um, it's ma- big. It'll carry Maverick and Sidewinder missiles. It's got electronic counter- countermeasures. It can survive direct hits from armor-piercing rounds or high-explosive impacts. This thing is a goddamn destroyer the pilot, in the air. The pilot sits in a titanium tank 
that will stop a 14 millimeter round. It can fly with one engine and one and a half wings. It can also lose part of its vertical stabilizer and still make it. It has a turning radius. You want to guess what the turning radius is, which means it can fly in a circle. You want to guess what the turning radius is? As far as what feet? No, yeah, like it's feet. So if it if he decided he wanted to bank as hard as he could and he was going to do Flying a donut, a complete circle, do a donut, yeah. Um, God, a plane that size. I'm going to say within reason, seventy feet. 80 feet? No, that's that's a little... Is that, is that too low? Well, no, yeah. I'm just saying it's, no, it's, it's, it's slow it's, speeds. It's 1,600 feet. 1,600, okay. Which is which is equivalent to the the track at a high school. Think think about that. Jesus Christ. Oh. It think, is, think about that. It is a 30-millimeter cannon. Millimeter. That is just insane. They can carry armor-piercing rounds. They can carry explosive rounds. They can carry... They only carry air-to-ground missiles. They do not carry air-to-air from the last time that I knew about them because it is designated an attack. But um, it's uh, 1,600 feet. So if you think about it, this plane has the ability to come down, slow down, strafe you, and in half of a track, pull up, flip over, come back down, and hit you again. It's, it's, it's one of the most incredible aircraft that's ever been invented in, and used and Wow. They're they are, they are a badass. When I, I used to work, my summer job when I was in college was at our local airport, the Pontiac, um, Pontiac Airport, which is north of Detroit, obviously, but is the second busiest airport in the entire state of Michigan, only to Detroit Metro. But the Red Wings fly out of there. A lot of commercial. Penske has a, a hangar there. A lot of the private jets fly. Even the bigger jets, like um, I saw Metallica's jet there once. WWE would fly out of there constantly. Like I said, the Red Wings have their own uh, hangar there. Um, but I would mow the fields for summer. We were called summer dicks because we would just show up, mow the lawn, get right. get past, you know, get paid, and they, you know, they would mess with us a lot, as you can imagine. But um, we'd have an open house, not an air show, but an open house every year. So all the cool stuff would fly in, park on the runways and the tarmacs. Families could come out, go in, meet pilots. Watch. So we had we got to go out on our work vehicles at the end of the runway. So the F F-16s were coming in or leaving. We'd take the truck out at the end of the runway, and those things would come screaming up the runway full bore right, right above us, 50 feet, 60 feet, and then pull back, and then they'd go straight up, and then they were gone in the blink of an eye. But we would get that noise, which was, it was just amazing. But one, of the, one year, there was an A-10 there, and we got there before everything opened. We were helping setting up, and... The, you know, the guy had it set up and everything, and I'm like, hey, can I, can I t- take a look? He goes, yeah, and it was, whew, you talk about awesome. <laughs> it's one seat. Like, you, it's just, one, there, there's no side-by-side or anything like that. It's right. just, you, you climb in there, you sit there, and, you know, all the technology and stuff, it, it, was, just, it was just amazing. And, you know, that big old badass machine gun sticking out of the front with those jaws painted on it, it it's it's crazy, but... I think I did find a video here that you'll be able to see the sound, which is why it's called Bert because that noise is like you said, it's in, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's unmistakable. And there's tons of videos. If you go on YouTube and you just look up A10 Warthog or Tank Killer, there's plenty of in action footage of this thing ending Taliban careers, <laughs> which is just incredible. Not just, not just Taliban. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's whoever's in that vehicle. 
was no longer in that vehicle in, in pieces. It just it, it turned into Middle Eastern soup is, is what happened. Middle Eastern soup. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's, that's where it gets his nickname Bert. That's Ain't no joke. These tanks. There's a video. It flies over these tanks, and it just lights them up. And like you were saying, with the tight banking, like there's plenty of video, like right there. It's something that size shouldn't be able to do stuff right, that, right. that it does. It's incredible. It's like and a flying roach, man. Well, it's all about it's all about my number two flight. I can't. I, I mean, I can't explain <laughs> it. There's just like that that plane. If I could ever fly in something, it would be that plane. Mm. It's not even a plane; it's a jet. But um, I was also reading too that I thought was interesting. The engines themselves have some specially designed foam and armor that surrounds the engines, where it allows them to survive direct hits. And they also said this thing could lose complete hydraulic power. Pilot can still land it. You know, it just hit me. You know what that plane it's crazy. is? Crazy. It, it's it's the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Funny you should say that, Richard. There is a picture online. If you Google it, it's uh, like, like obviously it's fan made or whatever, but it's a picture of an A-10 if it were an X-Wing. Yeah, yeah. It's the Millennium Falcon of aviation. And I'm just thinking, come on, Air Force, what are we doing? Make it happen. So that's my number one, the A-10 Warthog. Good wow. enough. Okay. My number one is the internal combustion engine. Oh, Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you really have to say anything about No, I mean, you, you don't. I mean, like Mike said, you started out World War One with horses and you ended it with tanks. We're, and, well, we're and, the economy that we are because of the internal oh, combustion engine. Absolutely. Yeah. It just it, it created airplanes. It allowed flight. You weren't going to have flight without, I mean, you're not going to attack in gliders, you no. know, tanks, troop. Uh, mobile transport, all all that stuff, and and I know that it's like oh it's basic, but when you stop and think about it, it's nothing happens yeah. without the internal combustion engine, N- none of it. So, I mean, it wasn't designed to be a weapon, but you know what? Neither was smallpox. So, yeah. But that wasn't the topic of right. It was yeah. It, it was that it changed was just, the battlefield, and, and it, it yeah. did. I mean, it um. The internal combustion engine alone, and the ability to get troops from point A to point B. Because troop movement was one of my troop transport was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah, but, but the internal, but just supply the supply lines, powering airplanes, powering ships, instead of you know hey, we're going to sail there next week. You know what I mean? Think of think about think about the Civil War if the boats had a fucking propellers on them. It's just I just I couldn't I couldn't walk away from it. It was just too too huge. Even though I I didn't go specific with my stuff, I just I no, but just it, brought, you're, brought you're dead on. Like imagine if those two kids in 1917 had a jeep. Right, would have been a shorter well, if they, movie. If they had, if they had a jeep, they probably would have had a cell phone too, right? Yeah, call it in. I, I wanted to throw out my honorable mentions real quick. Yeah, I don't know if you guys had any. Uh, the troop transport was one, and um, long range comms was one. What about snipers? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sniper, sniper rifles—the ability to shoot a rifle over sure. a mile. Long range rifles really, really changed it. Um, uh, I had troop transport drones. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, more yeah. so now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but still, I mean, look at what's going on in the Middle East, and we got some guy here in Tampa flying it, right? Um, you can get a ribbon now for flying drones. The military actually looks at e-gamers. You know that, right? They actually recruit. They have recruiters that are dedicated 
to recruit e-gamers because of their uh, their gaming ability and their quick reflexes and all that stuff. Because the the, the controller for these these drones that they're using is really really close to an Xbox controller. I gotta send them game tape of me playing that Star Wars game. That's what you I'm talking to. about, the X-wing? right? Yeah, in you virtual do. reality. Fucking you a. Do. My last one was my last one was modern day fibers and materials. Because I can't imagine having to do what I did in the Marine Corps wearing a wool outfit. Kevlar. Yeah, I mean, just in general. Just, yeah. I, I mean, thought about that. Moisture wicking, whatever. Your boots that were actually made out of canvas or, or uh, like polyester, rayon, things like that. Kevlar, you know, just... Kevlar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Perfectly good example. More recent, uh, you know, obviously... Dylan went through basic training with the standard clothes and all, you know, the the thick, hot stuff, which miserable. But, you know, since in, in the past year, the Army approved this new material for uniforms, and he ordered it, and he said it feels like you're wearing pajamas now. Yeah, they have winter and summer for, candies. For, for, for because... in the heat, it's, he said it's completely different. Mm. Um, just a, a lot more tolerable, a lot more thin, way more comfortable. Mm. Uh, they just approved that within the past year, and he ordered it right away, just and he back, loves it. Just the backpacks. You know, the, the, yes. can you imagine carrying one of those backpacks that this dude was carrying in 1917 compared oh. to an Alice pack? Yeah, no, it's fuck metal metal canteens to plastic canteens. Yeah. Just just walking through museums, like the infantry museum that I saw at Fort Hood, or the infantry museum at our, or the cavalry museums, I should say at Fort Hood, but the infantry museum at Fort Benning. The outfits that you talk about going back to the Civil War and everything, those wool clo- those uh-huh. wool uniforms. Wool, what you know? What, th- I mean, you can not tell even when it's hot. What about when you got rained on? It just, you can tell it's not comfortable. No, it wasn't. It's just m- brutal to wear that stuff. But then you look, to, like you said now, just clothing in general. Yep. Big, big difference. I mean, wearing wool. Can you imagine wearing that wool stuff out here in the summer? You'd die. Like uh, Costanza on Seinfeld. Exactly. When he changed like, the Yankees uniform. Yep. Exactly. For sure. Polyester to cotton. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they shrunk. Yeah. Hysterical. That's, that's fantastic. All right. All right, boys. I think that's it. That was fun. It was very fun. Obviously, it's always good to do stuff when it comes to the military and our appreciation and everything. Absolutely. Love it. What are you what are you doing? You just want to end on a fun note? Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um I mean, I'll, we, I'll, I'll do the important stuff then while you're doing that. America. The what? Okay. The, the fun stuff? stuff. The important America. stuff? Go ahead. Sing it, Richard. Fuck yeah! It's taking too long to save the motherfucking day, yeah, America! Fuck yeah! America! Fuck yeah! Never. Oh my balls! <laughs> Richard, you never have, heard of it. You, you've heard of it. You've just never seen it. You have never seen Team America. Team America. World Police. World oh my Police. God, I saw that movie when it came out, and I was like, I was bored with that movie, actually. What? No, I, American I, Puppets. No, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember when the movie came out, and I was kind of bored with it. Yeah. Matt Damon. Well, I mean, whatever, Richard. Fuck off. Come on. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> You know hey, what? James we can't this, all like the Godfather. James, well, James said this. I, I agree. He did James go to basic training thing. in 1983. Was like, it was fun, but it was kind of you know it wasn't there for him. Yeah, Matt Sorry. Damon's in it. I, I think I think it's funny as hell. I, there's just so many jokes in it that, that crack me up. I love the fact they didn't even hide the strings. 
That's what I love about it. Right, yeah. They didn't even hide the strings. You know, uh, we actually did that for the Honey, I, You Should Watch This podcast. Did you really? Yep, a couple weeks ago. You um, did that movie? Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, had to, it was, I picked it for Susan to watch, which she actually didn't mind too much because she likes South Park. Because um, it's oh, done okay. by the creators of South Park and stuff like that. They said after that movie, they will never make another movie together again. Why? Because it was brutal. Paul was it really? It, yeah, it was too. It was tough. It was very hard. Like was between very, the two of them, or just making the movie process making, itself, making the movie together, or making a movie in making general. Movie together. They worked. They said they worked for like seven months, like twenty hour days, seven days a week, because they had they ran into so many problems, and there was it was just it was it was very very brutal for them. That's amazing because when you look at that, it looked like that would be made in weeks. Yeah, that's what they thought because of the puppets. That's what they thought. Well, oh, see, that's but, like stop motion animation, man. It takes forever to yeah. get like ten seconds. Yeah. But um, I, I I like that movie. Yeah, it's it's funny. Okay, Hero. So I'll, yeah. oh, Hero. <laughs> Do you realize how fucking busy I am? <laughs> the, 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 I'm so road. It's amazing how topical that is now, man. It's yeah, so fucking good. I mean, it's I I laugh every time I watch it. The song I'm so ronery. I'm so ronery. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think spread shops open up again. Uh, I'm gonna check it out tonight, and I okay. will post yes or no. So if you guys want some top five for fighting gear, please. Uh, purchase what you want. We're going to put a couple different things on there. We're trying to look and see if we can cross-brand some stuff. Um, if you are interested in supporting our show and supporting our troops, 33% of your donation goes to care packages for uh, troops that are deployed overseas, which, I'm sorry, ties in perfectly to today's episode, so I'm not begging for money. I'm just letting you know that you can support them. You can go to our Patreon page. We have three different tiers. Every little bit helps. Um, I am at gbishop72. Putnam, or no, putty2773 at Twitter. Mm. Putnam 2773 on Instagram, which still learning how to use. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I, trying very hard. I'm not going to lie. Me either. I'm it's, always like, I, I, I never carry my phone in my hand to see all the cool stuff. So I'm like, that'd be neat to have a picture. Oh, look, it blew up. You're done. And Twitter's just full of so many mean people that it's it's it, it gets tiresome. I've, Twitter, I've, Twitter's brutal. I've backed, off, I've backed off Twitter a little it's bit a simply, be, simply because it's, I find myself wow. becoming grumpier and grumpier and meaner mm-hmm. and meaner. Yeah. And I just don't want to be that guy. I'm just going to let him be stupid on their own right. at this point. Um, Facebook is getting just as bad. I don't even enjoy going on Facebook anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, we're at top five for fighting, uh, dot com, top five for fighting on Twitter. <laughs> there, there I go. Twitter sucks. <laughs> yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Richard? Got anything? Uh, trust Alexander Law. That's pretty much it, man. I'm, I'm very, very social media uh, friendly. Yeah. Cool. Keyword friendly. Yeah. A lot of good stuff on your on your pages. Thanks, man. I try. Every, every day. Every day I try. Positivity comes off Richard's always, pages. Man. It's always, man. It's always about that, man. Always about that. Yep. Good job. Yeah. If, I, if I didn't think any other way, I, I I wouldn't be an attorney. Well said. Good deal. Well, I mean, there's a lot of attorneys that don't think that way, so there's still room for you in that world. But yeah, but you, I don't want to be in that world. Oh, okay. Are you for the people? I am for the people. Good enough. No. Say, hey, I'm, it's I'm, all I'm, you If I know. get sued by Morgan for that, man. Listen, <laughs> listen. Morgan and Morgan should change their their their, their quote because there's Morgan and Morgan for the people. For it the should people. be Morgan and Morgan for your wallet is what it should be. <laughs> That's what it should be because they don't give a fuck about nobody. Yeah, do any of them? You know, that's the biggest law no. firm in the country. Yes, it is. I've been. Yeah. On is their, it really? I've I've worked on his airplane. Yep, it's in ridiculous. the country. His fucking airplane is was is nicer than my house cubed. He does seem like he's very active in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that he's, other, he's other, the face of the firm. Other yeah. than lawyering. A lot of, he knows a lot of stuff about lawyering, lawyering and various and other, other such. Other lawyering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen some pretty good YouTube videos of him at, we'll call them rallies, at <laughs> well, nightclubs. 
Let's let's just say that the wet bar on that airplane is ginormous. Yeah. Yes. The only wet bar I've seen on an airplane that was bigger than his was Vince's. Yeah, I'm sure that was. Probably the best way to say that. Yes. All right, so uh we got hockey. We'll talk more about it next week. Yeah, we'll I, see we'll see it in a month. I We won't see it for a month, I guarantee it. Or, uh, training camps early will open up on June 1st. Wow. Which means that you won't see a playoff until probably July. Yeah, training camps for that, I should say. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll be a couple weeks for, for the camps. Uh, the camps have opened up in Florida for, for baseball and such. So We're getting there. Well, we're getting no, there. No, because we have to have all the states open up before the, 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 the sport will move forward. They won't allow. Hey, man, DeSantis said it. You got a sports team that won't open up? Come to Florida. We'll find a spot for you. Yeah, but they're not going to. They're not going to. The, the MLB, MLB the, would never do that to its teams. There is a lot of money that stand to be lost. I understand that. And the NBA is coming uh-huh. to Disney. They're still not going to roll every team to Florida just because Florida's open. They won't do it. I agree. I, I, yeah, there's a lot of money to be lost, but they just won't. They won't do it. I'm not saying it's just going to be Florida, but sports in general is a billions of billions of dollars of industry. Not, that not arguing with you one bit. It, it's sports will find a way to happen. It's like Jurassic Park. Sports will find a way. Not to mention the merchandise, man. It, everything. It's not getting sold. Everything. Yeah. Everything. We'll talk more about it next week. All right. Okay. Okay. I got to go. Greg, no, Greg will disagree with me on everything next week. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> Have a nice week. See ya. All right. Let me tell you something about this monstrous Leviathan. Hand goes up. Please don't tell me that he's going to ask just wait. When does he kill the vampires? How do you feel about that, Ash? I could not care less. I think we're just going to have to clockwork orange your ass. All right. Wow, that's a good one. Thanks for bringing the room down, Richard. That sounds good. I, was I can smell the freedom. He always buries something. Here's the precursor to this story. When I first met like a cat in a litter box. (laughs) All right. Good one. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. You know, whatever. And now I have a son in that same infantry. Literally. And it's, it's just, it's amazing to me.